This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in again today. Hey, I've got a guest in the second and third segments of today's program, Dr. Bob McHugh. Uh, Dr. McHugh wrote a book back in 2013 titled The Coming Economic Ice Age, and as ominous as that title sounded at the time, and I interviewed him at the time, a lot of the conditions that he predicted would emerge are now appearing. So I know you're going to appreciate the interview that I do with Dr. McHugh today. Now, on this program, we, as I said, do our best to educate you. We study history. We look at times in the past when economic and financial conditions look similar to the way they look today, and we examine what happened then to help us better understand where we may be headed today. Now, last week, I shared with you that I was of the opinion that we're entering a time of significant financial transition. And there are a lot of variables here as to where we might end up. We're going to talk about Federal Reserve policy here in a second. Are they going to keep printing money literally out of thin air, or are they going to stop? Uh, Depending on that policy response, we've got one of two outcomes that history tells us will have to emerge. What type of political change will we see? We've never seen personal freedoms uh, really taken away uh, like they are now, and we're starting to see people now that are getting understandably frustrated and upset with it. So all these variables play into where we end up going financially. But the basic fundamental question is this. Will the Federal Reserve continue money creation literally from thin air indefinitely until faith in the the currency is lost? Or will they stop short of that? Will they preserve the U.S. dollar? But in doing so, they allow the markets and the economy to go through a deflationary reset. Now, this is not a new question. In my 2011 book, Economic Consequences, I wrote about the slippery slope of money printing and the two inevitable outcomes. The first, money creation, continues until faith in the currency is lost. Or the second potential outcome, money creation stops and the force of debt excesses thrust the economy into a deflationary recession or depression. Now, money creation is at an all-time high. I'll talk to you more about that in a second. The Federal Reserve has created, literally out of thin air this year, over $2.5 trillion. That's remarkable when you think about it. And debt levels are also at all-time highs. So we have to have one outcome or the other. Now, in the 2016 book, New Retirement Rules, I revisited these two outcomes and confirmed that we'd have to have one experience or the other. Now, if you take a look at Federal Reserve policy presently, it seems that the Fed has no intention of slowing down or stopping the money creation. Now, the coronavirus situation has muddied the water from a financial and economic analysis perspective, and money creation really began long before any of us ever heard of COVID-19. 
Back in September of 2019, and I talked about it here on this program in October of 2019, you can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. Those shows are still posted there. We talked about the fact that the Fed was printing money to prop up the repo market. This is the overnight lending market between banks. So these problems that have been fully exposed by the coronavirus situation existed long before then. And they have their roots really going back to 2007 and 2009, which many of you know as the Great Recession. Well, after the Great Recession, the Federal Reserve began temporary and emergency measures. They said these measures are temporary and it's an emergency. And we're going to engage in quantitative easing, which simply means they're going to print money, to assist the economy's transition from bust to recovery. And once the economy has recovered, these extraordinary measures will stop. Well, at that time, quantitative easing amounted to billions of dollars per month. Now, it seemed that that worked for a while, and it always seems that way, history tells us, but it never works long term. As I have noted many times, both in the books I mentioned and here on the program, as time passes, more money needs to be created to get diminished results. You've got to throw more gas on the fire to get a smaller fire, to use that analogy. Now, beginning, as I said, last September, the Fed began injecting tens of billions of dollars into the repo market, the overnight lending market between banks. That, in and of itself, was a huge red flag. Now, presently, money creation is simply off the charts. The Fed is printing money for the U.S. Treasury to backstop corporate debt, and it's printing even more money to directly purchase junk bonds. And as I'll talk about with Dr. Bob McHugh in the next segment, the Plunge Protection Team is also intervening in the stock market. So we have artificial markets across the board. Now back to this extraordinary level of money creation. Get this. According to many different sources, the Federal Reserve from March 11 until April 13 expanded its balance sheet from $4.31 trillion to $6.13 trillion. Nearly $2 trillion in a month. That is an eye-popping, there's no other way to describe it, that is an eye-popping 42% increase in only one month. Now, no one knows exactly how long the Fed can print without a loss of confidence in the U.S. dollar, but we can all acknowledge this. It's not forever. Which brings us back to our fundamental question. Will they stop or won't they? Well, over the last month, I have had many conversations, many of which you have heard here on the program, but many others as well with many very bright economists and financial experts. Here's my conclusion. No one knows for sure. Bob McHugh today sees a deflationary outcome. Others see a different outcome. So are we going to get this massive deflationary depression? Or are we going to have massive inflation? Well, since no one knows for sure, you need to prepare for either outcome. 
The first outcome, as I said, has the Fed putting brakes on money creation. This leads likely to a deflationary depression. And as bad as that sounds, that's the better of the two outcomes here. See, under our money system, since 1971, and most of you are way too too young to remember 1971, but in 1971, the link between the U.S. dollar and gold was eliminated. See, up until that time, from the end of World War II until 1971, the U.S. dollar was backed by gold. But since 1971, money has been loaned into existence. So since 1971, almost 50 years ago, money has been created out of thin air as banks lend money. If the Fed wanted to create more money, the central bank would reduce interest rates. With lower interest rates, people borrow more. And the result of people borrowing and money moving from one bank to the next was more money and the illusion of prosperity. Now, I intentionally use the word illusion here. Since debt-fueled consumption, since borrowing money to buy things does not ultimately lead to prosperity, it actually leads to exactly the opposite. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in the fourth segment of today's program, but in case you are just joining me today, I do have some free resources available at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. I'd love for you to go check out. Also coming up, Uh, In the next week, we have an informational webinar about what to do to prepare for either of these outcomes. You can go to rescueyourretirementwebinar.com to get more information or register. The website, again, is rescueyourretirementwebinar.com. I'll be back after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of talking on today's program again with Dr. Bob McHugh, Uh, Bob is the author of the book, The Coming Economic Ice Age. It was written back in 2013, but given current events, it is uh, eerily prophetic. His website is technicalindicatorindex.com. I would would encourage you to check out his work. He is a uh, very hardworking analyst. And Bob, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Dennis. It's always great to be here. Well, Bob, let me uh, start by just sharing with you a quote, uh, and I'd like to get your reaction. Uh, Patrick Wyman said that crisis, like pandemics, don't break things in and of themselves. They just show you what's already broken. To what extent would you agree with that? Uh, I'd have to think about that a little bit. Um, I think I think we are seeing there was a lot broken, and uh, and so I guess he is what he's saying makes sense. Um, and 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 what we're the uh, the crisis we're in now, I guess, is evidence of the uh, the problems we had going into it. Uh, that makes sense. So, Bob, maybe uh, talk a little bit uh, with the audience who may not be familiar with what technical analysis is. Talk a little bit about how you analyze markets, and then um, talk a bit about how. Stocks seem to be rallying off the lows here, despite the fact that the economic news is not getting better. It's getting a whole lot worse. Sure. Um, What we study is something called technical analysis, where we believe that the stock market itself uh, not only predicts future economic activity, but it actually communicates to us where the markets and the economy is headed next. Um, It is the accumulation of all knowledge by everybody on the planet, uh, and and forms patterns. And these patterns can be interpreted, they can be understood, 
and they can tell you where prices and econ the market and the economies are headed next. Um, it is normal for large declines to be followed by partial retracements, and then you get another further large decline when you're in a declining bear market trend. Uh, the opposite is true in a bull market. When you see a large rally, then you'll see a correction. They'll retrace part of it, and then another large leg will go up. We're in a bear market now, so we just saw the, the fastest, steepest crash in the history of recorded time uh, in the last six weeks, uh, from middle of February to the end of uh, March. And now we're partially correcting that with the rally. We saw the same thing happen in the stock market crash of 1929. Uh, there was a partial retracement. Sometimes it goes 50%, sometimes 65%. Uh, but it's partial, and then it, it, it reaches exhaustion, and the forces that brought it down will, will continue to take it down again. Bob, there seems to be, despite the economic news, and, and I'd like your take on this, but depending upon whose numbers you want to look at, there are forecasts that we're going to see an unprecedented decline in economic output. I think uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman both uh, revised their forecasts from a 30% decline to pushing 40% decline in the second quarter of this year. Um, to what extent would uh, would you agree with that? And, uh, and why do we still see a fair amount of bullishness in the market? It seems like the, the sentiment indicators are, are, are quite bullish. Correct me if I'm wrong, despite the fact that we've got these dismal economic forecasts. Well, um, I, I think those forecasts by those two large investment banks are correct. Um, we, we saw GDP drop 4.8% in the first quarter, and that really was off of just the downward pressure from the last two weeks of March, the first quarter other than that was pretty good. Uh, and I think, yeah, we could see 35% drop in gross domestic product in the second quarter because of the entire shutdown of, of uh, our economy. And um, the, the balance, like I said, is it's technical. It's, it's just um, the selling got tired for a while. There's an awful lot of money being printed by the Federal Reserve handed over to um, the plunge protection team, which are the large investment banks in New York, and then they're buying the market. They're buying the stock market, and they're not telling us that, of course, but they are. And a lot of the buying is the stock, is from the uh, printed money from the Fed, but they can only do that so much. And um, I've seen an enormous imbalance in the efficiency of the stock market as this rally's occurred. In other words, the buyers are not general market participants. They're large, deep pockets, uh, sources, forces that are doing the buying. And, and that, that tells me, of course, it's the plunge protection team. And that's why it was designed, uh, was to try to uh, stabilize and bully stock markets during times of complete collapse, loss of confidence. Uh, so that's the buying we're seeing right now. It's, it's going to reach exhaustion at some point here. And then we're going to see another large down leg soon. Bob, you know, it's uh, widely known that the existence of the plunge protection team is, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was established back after the flash crash in 87. Um, a lot of people are not aware of the existence of this particular committee, to use that term. Can you elaborate a little bit and fill the listeners in? Yeah, it was started, I think, uh, 
Ronald Reagan uh, actually he did it right after the uh, stock market crash of 86 or 87. And um, it's a work called the Working Presence Working Group is the official name for it. The nickname is Plunge Protection Team. And uh, it consists of the head of the Fed, the head of the Treasury, um, the head of the SEC, and then uh, they call surrogates, which are the large, the heads of the large uh, money center banks in New York. And they are the uh, working group. And their job is to buy the market, to purchase stocks, to um, prevent, or, or futures in stocks, to prevent any further collapse because buying has completely dried up by market, normal market participants. It's, 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 um, it's, it's been engaged off and on many years, <clears throat> many times. Um, and we're watching that right now. That's the primary focus of this, this current rally. So, Bob, you do technical analysis, and I'd be interested to hear. You mentioned that the, the Fed is printing unbelievable amounts of money. I think I read from one source that they actually expanded their balance sheet by more than 40% from mid-March to mid-April, which is mind-boggling if you think about it. Um, when you do analysis on the dollar or maybe other fiat currencies, if we want to go there, uh, what does your analysis tell you? Well, the Fed's balance sheet is up to six point eight billion uh, trillion trillion. Last time I saw it, it, it like it, like you said, it started in the low fours and maybe even hit them to the high three trillion area because they were last year trying to pay it down, get rid of their balance sheet. But they've just uh, thrown another three trillion or so um, dollars printed money out of thin air and uh, used that to buy. Uh, Bond securities, interest-bearing securities, and they're buying stocks, um, which they're never going to admit to, but they are. That's part of the function of the working group, the plunge protection team. They actually have to buy the stocks. They use the money center banks to actually do the buying. And uh, so their balance sheet's up to $6.8 trillion right now, and it's going to go higher. They're the main buyer out there. I mean, the economy's shut down. People are more normal participants are, are not around right now. They're, they're scared. They're, they're wiped out, you know. So, so do you see, Bob, do you see the dollar going significantly lower? And uh, if so, um, how, how low can it go? Or is this, just, is this just completely dependent upon what the Fed does? I, I do have a chart here that, that's telling me the dollar is ready to start rolling down uh, lower uh, and, and into a declining trend. And it is going to be because the value is going to drop uh, as they print so much of this uh, this uh, electronic money, so my charts are saying the dollar's peaked, or and you know it's it's going to head down. Uh, fiat currency is in trouble, you know. Um, gold's going higher because it it has to. It's real value, real money, and as they, you know, deflate the value of, of the currencies, gold's charts are showing it's going to go higher. So, Bob, I've had the pleasure of interviewing uh, a number of people over the last month, uh, just getting uh, perspectives. And there's a couple different perspectives when it comes to uh, the U.S. dollar and fiat currencies. One is that the Fed eventually um, takes their finger off the money printing switch, to use that analogy, and um, they, they rescue the dollar. The other perspective is that they're going to continue on this path of printing as much as they need to for as long as they need to, and we're going to have a currency crisis. What camp would you say that you would find yourself in? The currency crisis camp, uh, just staring at my chart. 
um, it, the, it's ready to go down, go down quite a bit for a long time. And that tells you we're going to be in a deep recession or depression, I should say depression, for a long time. And um, the, the, the current fiat currencies are at risk. You know, there's a lot of talk about they'll be shifting our currency over to electronic digital uh, uh, economy with the implanted chips in people um, that Bill Gates is working on right now to buy and sell. And that may be the final result of uh, the collapse of, of currencies. We're seeing major, major changes here to the, uh, the structure of, of the society and, and economics that are blowing, blowing people away, myself even included, even though I wrote the book that it was going to come. To see it actually happening is, is astonishing, it really is. Yeah, I think that everybody's kind of in shock here. Well, let's talk about your book uh, because uh, when this came out, um, I bought it. I read it. It's in my library. Um, you talk about uh, the, the title of the book, uh, The Coming Economic Ice Age, and uh, maybe give the listeners just a little bit of an overview as to you know what the prediction was in the book, and then we'll talk a little bit about strategies moving ahead uh, and what, we ha- what time we have left in this segment and in the next. Okay. Well, the tip-off was I, I spotted an enormous pattern, a bearish pattern, that was uh, multi-decade. It goes all the way back to the 80s. And uh, it's a megaphone top pattern, which I dubbed the jaws of death uh, because it has the uh, illusion, the picture of a, a picture of, shaw, of a shark opening its mouth and then collapsing it on you. And uh, this is a time-tested pattern. I showed eight different times in history in the book when this had previously appeared, including the Great Depression and so on. And this was warning that we're headed for a major, major economic collapse, stock market collapse. Uh, and, I, and, and at the time I wrote the book, because it's so large, you couldn't pinpoint the precise year that it would start. And then in my newsletters, as I was uh, doing for my subscribers, we would take a closer look to try to get a better timing on it. And uh, this was telling me that we're headed for a greater depression than we saw in the 30s because this um, was a larger trend, a larger uh, degree of trend than what we had in the Great Depression of the 30s. And what what I've noticed with all of these patterns is you see political change, you see war, you see societal change, you see infringement of rights, and... um, but because this is so big, I knew that the expanse of the change that was coming was going to be alarming. Uh, that's why I call it the Ice Age. Things would freeze. And um, sure enough, it's, it's hit, unfortunately. It's, it's here now. Well, our guest today is Dr. Bob McHugh. Bob's website is technicalindicatorindex.com. The website, again, is technicalindicatorindex.com. Bob does uh, terrific work. I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, The book, uh, written seven years ago, The Coming Economic Ice Age, Five Steps to Survive and Prosper, uh, as I said at the outset, is prophetic. I would encourage you to pick that up as well. The good news is I'll have Dr. McHugh back for the next segment, so stay with us. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I'm chatting today with Dr. Bob McHugh. Uh, Bob is the author of the book, The Coming Economic Ice Age, written about seven years ago now. Uh, We'll chat with him a touch more about that in this segment. 
His website, technicalindicatorindex.com. Uh, I would also check out. You can learn more about his work there. He is, uh, I think, the hardest working guy in technical analysis. So, uh, Bob, let's just jump in um, where we left off because you had said uh, as we closed the last segment that uh, when you wrote the book, The Coming Economic Ice Age, you noticed that uh, there was a, a pattern, um, and the pattern looked like it was going to be uh, a magnitude or two greater than uh, the pattern was going into the Great Depression, which makes you think that uh, this time around is going to be worse. So let me ask you, what is it going to look like this time compared to the 1930s? In the 1930s, um, the United States government and world governments, well, mostly, let's talk about America, did not take away the civil rights of its citizens. It did not uh, violate the first, fifth, fourteenth, and commerce clause of the United States Constitution. And uh, right now, we have that going on. So my book brought out the point that this thing is going to be so massive, this fair market that we're in now, that there'll be political change, that the way we have our government set up will change. Well, we're seeing that right now. We're seeing the United States Constitution stripped from us. And um, mandatory shutdowns, stopping the right to work. That did not happen in the Great Depression. If people could work, they worked. The problem was they couldn't find jobs. But it wasn't they were told to stay home. Um, this is worse than the Great Depression. We had the fastest rise in unemployment ever um, in such a short period of time. 30, 30 million people have applied for unemployment insurance in the last month. So we're seeing things that you, you can't go to church. You cannot assemble peaceably in this, in this bear market. And that's a right in the Constitution gives us. In the Great Depression, you could assemble peaceably. You could go to church. You could go to a gym or whatever you wanted to do. You could assemble with people. And this has changed that. And... Um, you know, it brings up the issue of is it necessary or not? Was this uh, forced economic collapse, depression, uh, legitimate or not? What, did, they, did, they, did they act properly or improperly based on our rights under the Constitution and based on common sense? And um, in, the, in, world, you know, in, in the Great Depression, which led to World War II, um, we had a, a different set of uh, circumstances, but, but civil rights were not an issue. It did produce social changes such as social security, more more uh, regulation over the securities industry and things like that. But people individually, while they went hungry and they starved for getting jobs, were not oppressed. The two and a half centuries of, of sacrifice by patriots that gave up their lives for freedoms was not taken away from them. And in my book, I kind of hinted that we could be headed for a totalitarian-style government in this next bear market. We are now right in a totalitarian state of government. We have had our elections postponed. We have had a, a lot of our civil rights stripped away from us. And um, there is a seizure of power by uh, a lot of people, governors and so on, that is unconstitutional and so on. So um, this is a different ball game, and I'm not quite sure how far they're going to go with this, but um, it's very different than what we had in the, in the Depression of the, of the early 30s. 
So, and economically speaking, Bob, when you look at the 30s, it was definitely a deflationary period. Um, I've had guests on the program like John Williams and Alistair McLeod who seem to think that uh, we're going to see a hyperinflationary uh, recession or depression this time around. Would you agree with that? No, I don't think so. I think eventually prices are going to drop. I mean, I, I can see where a lack of supply would mean that things cost more. Because when you have a socialist, totalitarian, fascist government, which is what we have right now, um, supply dries up, so it makes products, goods, and services more valuable. So the prices of those will go up. But eventually, uh, demand, consumer demand, um, they can't buy because they don't have any income. And uh, so at that point, you'll see deflation. So there may be an initial pop in the prices of goods and services. You see it right now. You go in the grocery store with your mask on, and you see prices have risen on things like basic necessities. But I, I don't see that possibly happening when people don't have money. I mean, GDP's going to drop to nothing. Where's the money going to come from to, to pay for inflationary prices for anything? We see that in oil. Oil's down to nothing. Um, that's I don't see hyperinflation now. So let's talk strategies, Bob. I mean, we're in in scary times, and I often have talked with guests on the program that you know, if you don't, if you aren't scared, you don't understand the facts. So somebody's listening to this now. They've they've aspired for a comfortable retirement. Uh, they're worried about uh, you know what's going to happen to the funds in my four hundred one k and IRA. Talk to those people. What advice would you have for them? Well, I think we have to look at the. Uh the reality of what we got here. We have a, a false paranoia from a terrible disease that is no worse by the numbers, causing no more deaths than the normal flu would every year or other, other illnesses that have come along the pike. But they've decided to shut down our entire society for some reason this time. So you have to say, what's different? What am I going to do differently? I think supply is going to be a huge problem. If they don't reignite this economy and let people get back to work and assemble peaceably, if we don't see soon changes where we get our rights back, we're talking about a totalitarian, fascist, communist environment that we're suddenly thrust into. That means shortages. That means you got to stock up. you got to stock up on everything. You gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, you're gonna get creative and find work. You're gonna have to. Um, you can't rely on trust on government when it's a totalitarian state. You can't. So you're gonna have to get creative. I don't even know. I mean, will the stock market be reliable? My charts are saying no. Um, cash in the bank? Will you be allowed to go in the bank? Our banks are the door front doors are locked around here. You have to use the drive up. That that doesn't seem right. Um, so you should have cash in your in your on your mattress. We're looking at situations we never would have dreamed would have to happen in this time time period. Um, stock up, um, stay healthy. You know, take your supplements, get your sunshine. Sunshine and vitamin D have been proven to kill this virus. So you have to to alter your life and um, and just uh, be very 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 conservative in what you purchase and what you you do with your money. Um, that's the advice I have right now. Cash is king, cash is king. And then if they go with a digital currency and they disvalue the currency, you know, you want some silver or gold somewhere, but 
that rely that depends upon what people accept that as currency. You got to find somebody that also believes in like you do in in coins, uh, junk silver or whatever. So that's what that'll be important. You know, real estate. You don't want to have a lot of debt in this environment because they'll they'll foreclose on you and throw you out. So um, cash is king. Cash is king. Uh, and then so they go digital currency with a chip in your skin. I, that's a whole new ball game. I can't even fathom what to do with that. And and Bob, it certainly seems that uh, uh, when, when when you look at what's happened with uh, gold in particular, that uh, uh, that seems to be the go-to asset when uh, people get nervous. So if you've got money in a, a 401k or an, an IRA, uh, are you suggesting then that you know some of that maybe should be in gold and some of it should be in cash at this point? I think so. Yeah, I think that that gold. Real gold in your possession is important. Coins, um, not the trade, not the uh, you know, not the uh, kind of coins that you know you would invest as an as a speculative artifact, but rather just have as a currency, smaller smaller denominations. But uh, you know, you could get some paper gold in your 401k and stuff like that. But um, you know. Gold should be should be something that goes higher in the midst of all this stuff, um, and cash for sure. And until we see what they do with the currency, whether they decide to keep it or not, um, that, there are major changes coming here. And I think there's a necess- necessity for political pushback a little bit. People have to say, "Am I willing to accept a new life like this, or is it time to stand up and say, no, no, this is government caused?" And are we going to continue to accept this, or are we going to say no? Let's get a hold of our, our elected leaders and say, push back. This is this is ridiculous. You know, this is not the cure is not justifying the the, the problem that's at hand here. This has been overblown. This is not right just by the numbers. 2.7 million people die every year in America. 225,000 a month. You know, there have been 15 percent fewer deaths in 2020 than in 2000. The last four years, on average, at this point of the year, it, it, something isn't right here. There's been a there's been a change, and it's it's something we need to, as as a society, as free Americans, we have to look in the mirror and say, wait a minute, what's going on here? What are we going to do about this? We gotta we gotta we gotta stand up and say something isn't right. Uh, but cash, getting back to your question, cash and gold are two items. I would love to have a home paid off if if you're able to do that. Have your ownership and pay it off, and hunker down. Uh, stockpile inventories of necessity supplies, vitamins and supplements for health, and uh, take a fresh walk in the sunshine as often as you can. Try to stay mentally alert. Suicides are going to go way up. Um, we, we lose about sixty thousand people every year to suicide, and there will be more suicides by the end of two thousand twenty if they do not close this down. I mean, open up, reopen our our economy. There will be more suicides at the end of 2020 than there will be deaths by COVID-19. And that's a fact. That, that's a projection from a lot of experts. A lot more suicides. Mental health is critical. And this is destroying mental health. It's been proven that by, the, by uh, several medical associations, you can lock people down for one to three weeks, but when you go beyond that, their mental health is seriously affected. So a piece of advice for people is watch your mental health. Get your sunshine. Get your vitamin D. Um, feel like you're doing something. Contact your local representative and act, take, participate in saying, hey, 
we don't like this. Do something about it. The numbers don't make any sense. We want our economy back. We want our jobs back. We want our freedoms back. And maybe we can successfully overturn uh, this attempt at uh, totalitarianism. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Our guest today has been Dr. Bob McHugh. His book, The Coming Economic Ice Age, is available at Amazon. I would encourage you to pick it up. And uh, his website is technicalindicatorindex.com. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Always appreciate your perspective. Thanks, Dennis. I really appreciate the opportunity. We will return after these words. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and this is RLA Radio. Thanks to Dr. Bob McHugh for joining us on today's program as well. You know, in the first segment, I talked about the fact that one of the most important lessons I've learned working in the financial industry is that no one cares as much about your money as you do. That's why it's important to educate yourself. And for those of you that are just joining us, we do have a informational webinar coming up. If you'd like to get more information about this informational webinar or you'd like to register to attend, you can visit rescueyourretirementwebinar.com to get more information or to register to participate. Now, in the first segment of today's program, I talked about the fact that under our money system, since 1971, when the link between the U.S. dollar and gold was eliminated, see, up until 1971, the dollar was actually backed by gold. But since that time, money has been loaned into existence. And if the Federal Reserve wanted to create more money, the central bank would just reduce interest rates to encourage more borrowing. The result was more money and the illusion of prosperity. And I use that word illusion very intentionally. Because debt-fueled consumption does not ultimately lead to prosperity. You can't borrow money and spend it and get wealthy. In fact, when you behave that way collectively, you create problems. And eventually that quits working, and that's what happened after the Great Recession because many of you probably remember in 2008 when interest rates were reduced to 0%. The Fed expected that, as people always had in the past, when interest rates dropped, they would, get out, they would go out and borrow money. And the more people that borrowed money, and as money moved from one bank to the next, more money was created. And we would jump back to this prosperity illusion again. However, even though interest rates dropped to 0%, no one borrowed. The strategy that the Fed had used suddenly quit working. Why? Well, if you think about it, the answer is very simple. There was simply too much debt. Speaking figuratively, citizens and businesses had collectively maxed out their credit cards and just couldn't take on more debt. So now the Fed found themselves backed into a corner. They had two choices. One, endure the deflationary recession or depression, allowing irresponsible banks to fail, or... Option two was bail out the banks and resort to money printing. We all know they chose the latter, and the proverbial can was kicked down the road. The only problem with kicking the can down the road is that you eventually have to deal with a can again, and when you have to deal with it, it's even more difficult to deal with. That's where we are now. As I noted, in September of last year, the Fed faced a similar choice, although this was not widely reported. 
But the Fed, again, chose money printing, injecting liquidity or printing money to prop up the repo market over the, or the overnight lending market between banks. Now that money creation has reached levels that are ludicrous and obviously cannot be maintained for a long period of time, one of the two ugly outcomes that we discussed in the first segment will have to occur. We'll have to see devastating deflation or massive inflation. Now, Alistair McLeod, who is a past guest here on the program and a highly regarded economist, reasons that, as far as money creation is concerned, it may already be too late. In an excellent piece that he put out about a week ago, he makes some good points. One, he said government inflation statistics are not accurate. I don't think anybody listening to this particular broadcast today believes that the actual inflation rate is 2%. The Chapwood Index, a private inflation index that tracks the prices of 500 consumer items, says inflation's closer to 10%. John Williams of Shadow Stats, a past guest here on the program, comes to about the same conclusion. So inflation is already higher than the official number suggests that it is. Now, the second point in this piece that is an excellent piece, by the way, is that the general populace lacks a general understanding and is generally ignorant of what inflation or an expansion of the money supply actually does. Now, if this is you, educate yourself. Remember, no one cares as much about your money as you do. Mr. McLeod says this, given proclamations by central bankers that they are about to hyperinflate, ignorance of monetary matters becomes an expensive condition. When trying to understand money credit and how they flow, the vast majority of people find themselves in an Alice in Wonderland confusion where nothing makes sense. Mr. McLeod says they're setting themselves up to lose everything they possess. Now, Mr. McLeod says that inflation comes in two phases, and it is his belief that the first phase is coming to an end. Now, during phase one, we all expect that our currencies will buy less in the future. Everybody listening to this broadcast today already knows that your money is going to buy less in a year and that consumer prices are going to go up. Now, get this. In the case of the U.S. dollar... The U.S. dollar has retained only 2.2% of its 1969 purchasing power. McLeod says, after that much loss in purchasing power, we are now entering the second phase of inflation. He says that now, at some point in the near future, faith in the currency will be lost. Now, no one knows exactly when that might be, But McLeod says they, meaning the central bankers, have committed to the virtual nationalization of their economies to be paid for by debauching their currencies. This process depends on public ignorance of the consequences. That alone is a good reason to educate yourself. Check out our resources at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You can go there and subscribe for free to our weekly Portfolio Watch newsletter. Uh, That newsletter is delivered every Monday at 5 p.m. via email. Uh, You will get that 
uh, without getting a bunch of promotions during the week. We respect your email address and uh, we'll only deliver you necessary information. Second, we do have a webinar coming up. It's an informational webinar about how to deal with these two eventual outcomes. You can go to rescueyourretirementwebinar.com to get more information or register. The website, again, rescueyourretirementwebinar.com. That's all the time I have for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week.